words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So let's turn our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 14. I know when you see me, you're expecting a PowerPoint today. There will be no PowerPoint. We'll read from our Bible. Luke chapter 14, 16. And I want us to read together on the screen. Okay, one, two, go. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come for all things now are ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excuse. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married me a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, a wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yet his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let's stop here. Um, but let's go, let's go back up to the story in verse 16 because he started taking a second idea in, in talking about the disciple. But let's stop at the supper. A great man of quintessence, a great man of royalty, a great nobleman set up this feast. What do you think would be in the feast? The Bible leaves a lot of room for imagination. If a great man sets up a feast, what do you think will be in that kind of feast? You know, I think my favorite restaurant in, in used to be uh, Cosmo. I mean, if you know Cosmo, the Cosmo chain in the UK, they have Indian, they have Mediterranean, and you just pay, is it 11 pounds? And it's all you can eat. They have stir fry, they have, you know, so it's really, really nice. So I used to walk my way from the outside in. I don't know what your restaurant will be. So think about your favorite restaurant. How many of you have restaurants in Lagos that you love? Yeah? Some, some, some of you are quiet now. 
until I go to your Instagram page and I'll see your, the foodies extraordinary who are sitting here behaving so holy and pious in church. First of all, butter doesn't even melt inside my mouth. I don't eat anything. <laughs> yes, you do. So what do you think was there? The falafels and those who like hummus and flatbread. There's olives. There's asparagus, well tended. There's chicken and soy sauce. There's lamb. There's pork ribs. Okay. Actually, some people do make a thing about amala. Actually, I've seen some amala. Chef Regs once put a photo of, and I think it was pap anakara or something like that, and he squirted dots of the pap on the plate, and then put the akara in the middle and made it like look, and then put something that made it look global, white plate, with a malam pap. Right, I could have actually brought the picture, but I just thought you use your imagination today. Right. Food. A lot of food. He knew what he had in his coolers. He knew he had brought out special plates. He knew what the chefs have told him. He knew how much money he had used to buy wine. All types of wine. And some of you wine drinkers, you're also here. Red wine, white wine, coinosaurs. Some of you like it older. You like the Spanish wine. Some of you like uh, the Napa Valley wine from France. And you guys, some of you like uh, wine from Stellenbosch. You know, you, you're a collector. You call yourself a connoisseur of wine. And some of you go wine tasting trips and sniff. Right. Mm. So 19 Solignon Blanc. 1948. Savion. They are coming out small, small. <laughs> and it was exquisite. There were glasses and a settee. I went on the internet looking for photos, but I thought that photos, if I find, if I show you some of the photos, they are extremely distracting. You know, <laughs> of feasts and parties. Well, this certain man who was a king set up a big feast. It wasn't a small feast. There were hundreds of chairs and hundreds of tables. And he had a guest list. A distinguished guest list. How many of you know that sometimes our guest list is made of, of the same usual suspects. So you are doing an event. Who do you invite? The same people who somebody invited last week. Because they seem to be the prominent ones in the land. We invite people because we think those people will give us something. But God begins to understep the value for invitation. And the power of inviting the other guy. Say the power of inviting the other guy. 
This is actually amazing because it goes against every logical way of thinking. You invite people who are going to bring significance to your event. You invite people who are going to add value to your table. The value of your table is just as significant as the people you've invited to the feast. And so thought the Lord of the feast. So would you think he would have invited if he was president of Nigeria? Imagine that this Lord of the feast was Buhari. Who do you think would be on that table? <laughs> For real. But let's, let's spread the net a little wider. All the state governors would be there, right? What do you think about the ministers that will be there? Do you think Otedola will be there? Odangote will be there? Uh, Jimovia will be there? And Tony Elumelu will be there? Do you, do you guys understand? There's just some names that go along with the king's invitation in Nigeria. And we all know these names. Not because they are bad people, but because they are genuinely, legitimately overwhelmed. They are genuinely the one, the go-to people for everyone in the land. They're not bad people because they are invited. No, that's not what the master said. The master said, did not say they were bad people. And if you take a look at the, at the excuses, the master says, okay, come for all things now are ready. But as if they synchronized their answer, they all with one accord began to make excuses. What did one say? The first said, I have bought a piece of land. I must go and see it. I told this example before. I tried to buy land without seeing it once. And it didn't work out well. So a friend of mine in Abuja called me and said, there is this awesome land that the government was giving out new allocation in a new area. So I thought to buy 10 plots of land. And I knew I didn't have capacity to buy 10 plots by myself. So I gathered a few friends. All together, my friends pitched in seven plots of land. I was able to buy three with my own money. But I thought I trusted the friend. So she sent me land papers. Allocation from Abuja Urban Development Authority, official government allocation with the stamp of the government on it. I was so excited. Now, me too, I have become Abuja land owner. <laughs> but I didn't go see it. By the time I was ready to go and see it, about a year later, the lady started saying, oh, there has been some problem. The government has now wiped out those allocations and something, something. I've collected money from seven, from for seven lands from other people. Right. It's, how do you think my integrity look like? Don't ever buy land without seeing it. I repeat. Don't ever buy land without seeing it. Part of the requirements of buying any land is whether there is nothing there, whether, whether there is something there, doesn't matter. You go and stand on the land you are buying. It's part of it. Don't let anyone tell you I'm buying land for you there. No. You go personally and stand on the land you are buying. That's part of it. 
And then the next thing that brings out devils on the land is when you start cultivating the land. Uh, I know some of you here are lawyers. My wife used to be a land lawyer in Lagos, you know, and she knows what, what the ministry is like. Yes, that's like if you're doing something on the land, then you have bigger rights than the person who is coming from outside and said, it's 70% possession. Okay, okay. Well, he's a lawyer, he said 70, but she's a lawyer, she said 90. So it's like among the lawyers, let the lawyers argue it out. But we know, we know that it's a high percentage. So when you're on the land and you're already working on the land, it means you are actually the legitimate owner except proven otherwise. So when this was said, this is the most legitimate excuse of not going somewhere you can actually make. I bought a land. Let me go and see it. So these were not making foolish excuses why they couldn't come to the master's feet. This was a real excuse. I want you guys to know how legitimate this was. Because sometimes we think like, oh, they just made flimsy excuses. No, this was not flimsy at all. Then the next one says, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I am going to test them. They were an agricultural economy. So any person, if you are very rich, you buy one yoke of oxen. That is two cows with a mattock in the middle. And that mattock digs the ground as they two cows move in a direction. You flog the cows and as they move, somebody stands on the mattock and he enters the ground and breaks the ground into a ridge so you can plant your seed. That's a yoke of oxen. You know, when you hear this English, you sometimes you guys don't understand. How many of you did not know what yoke of oxen was before today? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Clap for me. I told you what it is. So that yoke of oxen was two cows that you used to dig the ground. Do you know what that means as of today? I just built a factory. I just built a production line. I just started a new business. Let me go and test it. Let me go and check out whether this business is going to work. Let me go and see whether this thing I'm starting is going to work out well. Great excuse. Shouldn't we give people space when they start their business? Shouldn't people have their time to test out what, what God has given them? Shouldn't people carry the work of their hands forward? Shouldn't people be entrepreneurial? Shouldn't we encourage our brothers in the church to go start something? To go build something? So this man, again, was making a legitimate excuse. But the third is the best of all. I have married me a wife, therefore I cannot come. Solomon said, there's three things too wonderful, yet four that are incomprehensible. One is the way of the serpent and the rock. One is the way of the eagle in the sky. This one is the way of a young man and his maiden. It's, a, it's, a, it's the way of Sisu and his bay. <laughs> In Israel, these people would have still been on honeymoon because they married six months ago. Honeymoon time is one year. So 
you go on cruises, you lie down and have conversations, you have a drink, you go touring the world. The year of marriage is the year of settling down. His excuse was legitimate. I have just married me a wife. I am just building my family. I am just starting out alive. Have me excused. The master had gone to great lengths to create a room for you at the table. The master has gone to great lengths to create room for you at the table. What is your excuse? Some of you here, the master, I speak to you spiritually. The master has gone to great lengths to create room for you at his table. What is your excuse? Why can't you worship? Why can't you pray? Why can't you connect his enterprise in the earth? Why can't you be a part of the feast of the master? Why can't you come to the banquet he is prepared? He is the master, the owner of your life. And should he shut down what you're doing, you will have nowhere to turn. The master is asking this morning, what will I do to get you to my banquet? What will I do to get you to my table? What will I do to draw your attention so your heart will burn for me? What will I do to make you know that I am the one calling you? I'm calling you, says the master. I'm calling you. Your excuse may be legitimate, but it's still not good enough. Legitimate, but not good enough. Legitimate, but not good enough. So the master says, open the highway and the byways. Go to Freedom Way Junction. Go to law school. Gather the beggars. Gather the crippled. Gather the one-eyed people. Gather those people who have no name. Gather the nameless and the faceless. And bring them to my table. Those people went out and gathered some. I think they tried to find some the ones who had clothes on. Do you know cripples can't sit at tables sometimes because their vertebral column is no more strong. But that's what the master wants. Who is the repairer of the broken? Say the master. Who is the restorer of the hurting? Say the master. Many times when God calls us, we don't heed the call. So God has to call someone after us. Many times when God sends us, we don't want to go. So God has to send someone after us. There was a certain young pastor. God told him to go and pastor and open a church in a city. He said, oh no, how can I be the one to open the church? So he went to another senior pastor to ask for advice. Dear senior pastor, do you think I should go to so-and-so city and open a church? The senior pastor said to him, well, 
Well, I don't want to discourage your pouring on your parade. But that city has been rejected by God. There's nothing you can do. It's a hard ground. I think as a young minister, why don't you take your claim with a ministry that's already successful and you can help out here. You can serve the souls here. So, after one moment, he felt like he didn't have peace. So he went to the second biggest pastor in the city and said to him, I think God wants me to start a ministry in that town. Second pastor talked him out and said, well, I think God can do anything, but not there. Then one day, God smote his heart and said to him, I asked you to go and do an assignment. Why haven't you gone? He said, God, did you hear what your minister said? And God said to him, I asked them to go there before I asked you. It was because they wouldn't. That's why I sent you. Could it be that some of the endorsements and confirmation we're looking for is not what God has in mind for you. God is calling you today. He has prepared a place for you. Your sin will not condemn you. Your incapacity will not condemn you. Where you've been will not condemn you. You know why? <laughs> As human beings, we have a tendency to always fall and sin. He knows our nature. He understands our frame. That we are fraught beings and fallen human beings. He knows who we are. He knows how we are. He knows our weakness. He knows that we leak. He knows that uh, we don't hold on to things too strong for too long. He knows this. So he has made provision. He has made provision. Not someone said he has made provision. Oh, this is the time you preach. So to say, my neighbor, I want to preach to you. Oh, choose one person. Choose one person only. We preach. We all preach in this church. Say, my neighbor, I want to preach to you. Listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me. Look at me, my neighbor. Look at me. Can I tell you something? Tell them, can I tell you something? God knows your weaknesses. He knows your incapacity. He knows what you are unable to do. So, but that doesn't discourage him. Say, that doesn't discourage him. He's calling you now. I can't hear you shouting. He's calling you now. Wake up, wake up, wake up. He's calling you now. Come to the table. He has prepared a seat for you. There is a seat for you in the master's table. There is space for you in God's family. There's work for you in the house of God. There is grace for you in the temple. Come to the Lord's table. Come to the Lord's table. There is room for you in the Lord's table. There's room for you. Say to them, there's room for you. There's room for you in the Lord's table. Rise up and sit in your seat. Rise up and come to your place in the house of God. Stand up and push yourself into the place where God has prepared for you. Rise up and step in. 
Step into the place where God has allocated strength. There is room for you in the master's house. There is room for you in the master's house. There is room for you. There's space for you. There's a seat for you. There's a seat for you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but there's a seat for you. Your seat is waiting. Come to the table. Come to the table. Come to the master's table. You know you've been standing at the edge. You know you've been standing at the periphery. You know you've been checking things out. But Lord is asking you, come to my table. I'll prepare the wine. I'll prepare the bread. I'll prepare my feast. Come to my table. Come to the table of mercy. Come, come, come. Come to the table. Come to the table of the Lord. Come to the table of the Lord. Come to the Lord's table. Husina Mahaya Lukristaba. Ninkuzalabri Nostama. Lord, let our excuses fall today. Let our excuses fall. Let our excuses fall today, O God. That we may come to your table. That we may deal in the table of mercy. That we may receive grace and mercy to help in the hour of need. That we may be allocators of your grace and carriers of your nature. We yield ourselves to you. Come to the table of mercy. Oh, no one will take your place. No one will take your place. Step into your role. Step into your leadership. Step into your position in God. Step into the place where oil flows and power comes. Step in. Come to the table of mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. An old song says, Come to the table of mercy. Prepared with the wine and the bread. All who are hungry and thirsty, come and your souls will be fed. Come at the Lord's invitation, receive from his nailed striped hands. Of the well of salvation, drink of the blood of the Lamb. There's a seat for you, there's a place for you, there's a room for you in God's kingdom. God loves your family, God loves your secular job. God loves your life. God loves your phone activity. God loves your hobbies. God loves them all. But there's still room for you in your father's house. There's room for you. There's room. There's room. I love the people who send me a message, Pastor Moses, what can I do? Can I help you edit? Can I help you write? And we were not just talking about Ecclesia Hills. This week we were at Itafaji, that the place where the building collapsed. Itara was leading a delegation. So she's not just someone who stands in front of the church and tells us what to do and preach to us. She was actively on the field asking people to work, 
Do you understand? We're not just people who come and preach only on Sunday. We're out there actively working. If there is anything, we will, as a community, respond to the abilities that God has given to us. We are responders in the kingdom of God. So I'm not just asking you to come and do something and, and fulfill church register. No. I'm asking you to join the enterprise of God. God is actively responding. God is actively repairing. God is actively offering his compassion to the broken. And we are his vessels. There is room for you at the table. There is space for you. There is grace for you. And some of you, you've stretched yourself. I hear the Spirit of God saying, someone here, you've stretched yourself so much. You feel spent. You feel like there's nothing you have to give anymore. And God is saying, I will give you more to give. Say amen. amen. You say, I've given it all. God says, no, I will give you more so that you can have to give. The Bible says God is able to make all grace abound to us so that with all sufficiency, having all that we need, that we may abound in every good work. That's not just offering. Having all sufficiency, what does that mean? All sufficiency means your love life is good. Your financial life is good. Your kids are good. Your social standing is good. Your, your, your lands are good. Your, your bank account is good. Everything is all. Having all sufficiency. Having all that you need. You lack nothing. Having your mind clean. Having your heart ready. Having your spirit burning. Having your confidence intact. God is restoring something this morning. God is restoring you with the grace that you need to come to the table so come to the table and eat that which is good come to the table and drink that which brings life come to play in the father's house come to occupy in the room he's created for you there's a seat for you at the table there's a room for you there's a room for you come and take your place in your space in the father's house Hallelujah. Come. 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 There are many fake invitations you are responding to. Do you know? We are feeling nobody's life is empty, really. Nature abhors vacuum. This is where I'm going to end. Repeat. Nature hates vacuum. So, so immediately there's vacuum, something else fills it. So the time you're not using to pray, what do you use it for? Don't answer. The time you're not running after God, what do you do with it? The time when you are not pursuing the things of righteousness, what are you doing? The day you didn't show up in church, what were you doing for real at home? The day you're not consistent in your worship, in your devotion to God, in your offering. Do you know, God does not necessarily need us to come to church every Sunday, but God wants to see how you are treating the things that are labeled in His name. Will you treat your work like that? Will you treat your wife like that? We treat God 
and his things as if they are the most insignificant and the very irrelevant things of our lives. We give only our last dredges to God. God wants to see where you put him. And that's where that scripture follows. Whoever will come after me, if he loves father, mother, earthly possessions more than me, he is not worthy of me. God wants you to place him in priority. The word is priority. Come to the table. There's room for you. Does God have your priority? Once God doesn't have your priority, your work will have your priority. Once God doesn't have your priority, your children will have your priority. Can you imagine that God gave me kids and my kids became the reason why I can't serve God? My kids become the reason why I go late to every spiritual meeting. God forbid. God forbid. Never. It never happens. I used to have a prayer meeting every 6 a.m. And I lived in VGC and the prayer meeting was at the rental hotel. 6 a.m. And that's the time when they were constructing this Lake Ekba Expressway. It's a bad, nasty traffic. Except you left the house. By 4.30, you will not be able to make it. And it was my job to drop the children. What do you think I did? My wife and I, we packed their food the night before. They were ready. Everything, their bags were sitting by the door every single school night. And we went with them to the prayer meeting. Do you think children die from prayer meetings? Let me tell you the truth, they don't. Some of you, you know, you don't die from prayer meetings because your mom dragged you kicking and screaming to video. You didn't die. In fact, that's probably the only reason why you still have God inside of you. Let's not be too cushy and too shielding on our children that will miss the purpose of God in their lives. Do you know, we made those prayer meetings every Tuesday, every Thursday with all my daughters. They're all here now. Look at all of them. I don't know at what point in time God took their lives. I don't know at what point in time God convicted them. I don't know which of the meetings. My job was to constantly bring them to the water fountain. Bring your kids to the presence of God. Bring them to the prayer meeting. Put them on your chest while you pray in the spirit. Don't worry. Nothing will happen. Bring them along. You know, in this church, we're open to children. Children noises. We don't tell parents, shut up the children. No, we don't do it. Bring, allow the little children to come. So, you have a job. This job is so busy. Of course, God doesn't want you to resign. I have a friend who used to be a medical doctor. And he used to be on call on Sunday morning. And you know, when doctors are on call, it doesn't necessarily mean they are attending to patients. It just means that they are within distance to be reachable within five minutes or ten minutes max. There's a, there's a rule about it. I don't know. Each hospital varies from hospital to hospital. But you're just reachable. Sometimes you can actually go home and sleep. If there's an emergency, they call you. Because nobody can be on call 24 hours and not need to rest. And those calls were long, 18 hours, you know, stuff like that. So they're allowed to go and rest. But the doctor will say, I'm on call. And be watching movies, or three-hour movies, but he has no time to do prayer meeting because he is on call. You guys get it? 
Do you think he could have switched into prayer mode for a bit while he's on call? Do you think he can run after God while he's on call? Do you think he can write an, a short article while he's on call? So God is actually putting in the, the knife into what we do and how we do it. It's not the rules and regulations of men. It's not come every 8 o'clock for this. No, it's not that. It's actually, where is my priority in you? If you love me and you say I am God over your life, where is my priority in you? I know I haven't preached this kind of message before at Ecclesia Hills. A message of responding to God. A message of uh, responsibility. A message of taking seriously the call of God. If God treated you how you treated him, how will your life be? If God didn't pay your attention and you waited only when things had gone so bad, then you call upon him. If God was like that to you, what would your life be? But God is not like that. That's why I sang that song. Your mercy triumphs over judgment. He's not judging us this morning. I hate that anyone will feel judged. I want you to feel his love. Because what did he prepare for you? What was prepared? A party. A feast. What God prepared for you is life. What God prepared for you is strength. What God prepared for you is the best version of yourself. What God prepared for you is grace and glory. Is the power to soar. Is the power to pass through every situation with strength in your loins. That's what God prepared for you. Everything God is doing is, is the intention to make you better, stronger, wiser, more built up in life, more powerful to go through situations and challenges, more strong to break through obstacles in your life. God is not standing to destroy you. God is all about building you up. And when he asks you to come, he's not asking you to come to trouble. He's asking you to come to a seat he has prepared for you. An inheritance he's put for you with your name on it. Grace he wants to give to you. A resonance of spirit that when you speak you sound different have you ever seen people on a journey with God after a while they begin to sound different after a while they begin to get confident after a while panache enters their body after a while they just have capacity to move and to speak and to declare after a while prayer strength just comes to them and anytime we are worshipping they don't have any problem lifting up their hands they are not embarrassed they are not wondering who is looking at them because the grace of God is flowing in their hearts if you're not embarrassed, lift up your hands. Just lift it up and wave to God. Wave to God. Say, Lord, I love you. I don't care who's looking at me. I know you prepared a room for me. I know you prepared space for me in your house. I love you, God. Therefore, I wave to you. I worship you without shame, without holding back, without, without consequence, oh God. Without consequence of men, without fear of what men will say about me. I love you, oh God. And when I lift up my hands, I connect to all the faithful people who have served you before. I connect to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I connect to the faithful people through all generations. David, Elijah, Enoch, Jesus Christ. I connect to you, my Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, the apostles. I joined John, the beloved. I joined a host of faithful elders 
elders in heaven when I lift up my hands there's worship in my heart for you I come to take my seat in the place you prepared for me I come to take my seat at the table I am present in you your life resonates in me I am pulsating with the atmosphere of the grace of God I am spiritual in you I am powerful in you the best version of me is in you I find myself in you I find my strength in you I come to the table are you prepared no more excuses no more excuses Lord I'm coming to my place Lord I'm coming to my place of power I have no more quarrels against who you're making of me I have no more challenges of what you're speaking of me Lord I'm coming to my place I'm coming to my place in you I'm coming to my place I'm taking my seat at the table of promise I'm taking my seat at the table of covenant <laughs> I'm yielding myself to you I'm yielding myself to you take your place this morning let grace come upon your heart let the oil of the spirit lift up your hands and close your eyes Sunim belibresto mosaya nambolemo hinamalembrosta ningusanam bolisaya take your place at the table take your place at the table the master has prepared everything he's not trying to hurt you he's trying to bring a stronger you out he's trying to bring a more resolute you out He's trying to bring us a better person to the world. He's trying to improve you because he made you. He has your design in his hands and he's calling you to his table. Come and take your place. I prepared room for you. I prepared room for you. And my color is in you. My color is in you. My color is in you. I'm the one coloring you. I need you to color the world with the color I put inside of you. Color. But you can't color the world except you stay with me. Except you stay in me as the branch cannot produce fruits of itself. So you need to come to my table. Abide in me and I in you. And you shall bear much fruit. Stay in my table. Stay in my vineyard. Stay in that which I called you to be. Can you be my voice? Can I trust you to be my voice where you are? Come to the table of mercy. Come to the table of mercy. Let's pray this one. Let's hold hands and let's pray. Pray for the two people whose hands you are holding. Speak God's grace into their world and into their life. Declare that God, God's power is real in your heart. Declare that God's grace is available for them. Hallelujah. We bless you, O God. We worship you, O God. Mr. Kabahai, take your place at the table. Take your place at the table.
Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.